Hello, friends. Welcome to Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. I am elated to bring this episode to you guys. We are at episode 100. We did it. I set out one year ago and, uh, you know, I had a goal of hitting 100 episodes in my first year. I was doing one episode a week for the first couple months and I picked it up doing two episodes a week, have released some bonus episodes and the bonus episodes will definitely continue. It's really not about the number. Uh, It's cool to hit the number. It doesn't really change anything at the end of the day, but it is a milestone and I feel great about it. I set a goal, I busted my ass and here we are. We made it happen. I'm how many days? Uh, A little over three weeks into 75 hard right now. And getting everything in, doing the podcasting, you know, 75 Hard has helped actually keep me super focused, keep me disciplined. You know, if you guys are looking for a challenge, I would recommend checking that program out. It's designed by Andy Frisella. It's a mental strength program. It's not meant to be um, a physical transformation program, although there will be physical transformations. All you have to do, and it's not easy, it's 75 days straight no breaks. You work out twice a day for 45 minutes. One has to be outside. Drink a gallon of water. Follow a diet. You pick the diet. No cheat meals, no alcohol. You take a progress pick every day, and then you read 10 pages of a self-development book every day. So I think I'm on day... Let me tell you. I will check right now. I am on day... Today's day 24. And, uh, you know, having this program is keeping me super focused and disciplined. It has definitely helped uh, keep me on track with, uh, you know, podcasting these last few weeks. You know, things have been pretty hectic. My girlfriend and I bought a house recently. We've been remodeling and just moved out of my place. And, uh, man, it's just been, it's been crazy. But you guys have been along for the ride. I've been sharing some things along the way. Um, If you're new to the show, welcome. You guys are the shit. You're picking a hell of a time to join us. If you've been with us for a while, you guys know what the deal is. And if you are a day one listener, I fucking love you. You guys are amazing. I love all the listeners, everybody uh, who listens. I really appreciate this thing has been growing steadily. And I know I couldn't do this without you guys. So do me a favor. If you are getting value out of the podcast, Go tell a friend and uh, and help us grow this thing. This episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Jombo Superfoods. Go to jombocbd.com. You can check out their full line of CBD products. They make the world's healthiest edibles. And all the ingredients they use are organic. It's high-quality premium stuff. They send everything to a third-party laboratory to be tested so you know you're not getting any of the junk and fillers. You may not know what CBD is. It's cannabidol. It's one of the many compounds, one of the many cannabinoids found in the cannabis plant. It has been shown to aid in a multitude of, let's say, issues for people. It's helping people with digestion. It's helping people with sleep. It's helping people with their mood regulation. It's shown to help protect the brain, and it helps with inflammation throughout the body. So many different things this addresses. You know, many of us 
are walking around in a cannabinoid deficiency. You know, we have an endogenous cannabinoid system. We do make some of these compounds, but we can also get them exogenously, meaning through things like CBD drops and sprays and bombs, all of these things that Jumbo offers. So go check them out. You can save 20% off of your entire order when you use the code OUTSIDE. So go in there, put two in your cart, you'll actually get a third one for free, and then use the code OUTSIDE and you'll save 20% off of the entire order. Let's get to the guests. I am sitting down uh, on this very special episode, uh, this milestone marker for the show. I'm sitting down with Dwayne Bess, Dwayne T. Bess, y'all. He is a man of many talents. He's an amazing human being. He wears many, many hats. Uh, just a few are he's an author, a speaker, a philanthropist, entrepreneur, martial artist. Man, the list goes on and on. The guy, uh, the guy is just all about putting positivity into the world, and uh, you know he he's a hell of a he's a hell of a human being. So I really really enjoyed this conversation. Definitely one of my favorites to date, and uh, I couldn't think of a better guest to have on for you know the one hundredth episode of Outside Perspective. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, Dwayne Bess. All right, Dwayne T. Bess. That's right. <laughs> I need my tea. Need the tea. Um, well, actually, you know what? Before we get to the life diet, um, maybe that, is your headphones going? Are your is your? Can you I, hear me? Okay, I hear perfect. All right, it's just on my end. Though. It's like you're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> what, dude? So I saw you posted um, something this morning. Was it your niece? Yeah, yeah. 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 Tell me about her. Because so, that was it. So she was like the seventh person to get a stem cell. Like that's in the entire world for yeah. sickle cell is, is bananas. This was many many years. So my niece, uh, Ebony, she had combated sickle cell for many years. So get this. So in her high school career, right. She spent roughly 50 to 60% in the hospital. Still graduated from uh, Pattonville, right? But that much time, that's how, how horrible her sickle cell was. Yeah. So it got to a point, it was super debilitating. That's the um, cancer of the blood, right? Kind of. Sickle kind of. cell is like, sickle cell is when the cells are essentially like deformed. Sickled. Yeah. That's correct. So, um, and what takes place is as the, as the sickled cells move through the blood, uh, they kind of almost stab the veins, essentially. That's why they call it pain crises. Mm -hmm. And it's actually one of the most excruciating pains that an individual can actually experience that has some type of disease or onset, right? Oh, wow. Um, so she was fighting that super debilitating. And it, once again, if you think about the oxygenated blood that's being restricted and the cells that are sickled that go through the body, that affects everything. Mm-hmm from the brain to the heart to the vascular system because you know even if you go work out you're looking for a good pump you're looking for circulation right. if you look for healing what do you need you need more oxygenated blood to go to certain so all that is kind of like just destroyed so oh, man. She, she's going through this and then uh it's just like really just torn down uh she graduates and then there's this opportunity to potentially um go through a stem cell uh experimental stem cell transplant how long ago was that this happened <clears throat> 
probably eight years ago. Maybe. Okay. Because I know we've come quite a bit of ways with stem cells in like a very short amount of time. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's yeah. So we've come a lot for like PRPs and injections to kind of stack the deck for, deck for your healing, mm-hmm. but never taking stem cells and taking it from another person, completely flushing all the bo- blood out of the body, injecting new blood in and redoing, reworking the stem cell. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was like just new and crazy. They're mm-hmm. still not doing too much of that. Right. And it's all experimental. So it was all had to, it was all had to be paid in cash. Mm. So as a family, we're sitting here, we're like, ah, that's pretty expensive. You know, it costs like three, four hundred grand. And she had to go to John Hopkins. So she had to live out in John Hopkins for about six to nine months. Where's that at? Uh, it, it's out in Baltimore. Baltimore. Right? Okay. So she had to live out there um, at John Hopkins. While she's going through all this treatment. While she's going through that, had to be, um, you know, away from uh, civilization, uh, quarantined, because they take away, you take away your immune system. There's right. no immune system. Completely shot. Completely shot, right? Yeah. So she ends up going through that. It's a success. And uh, in the meantime, the uh, she's had de- deterioration in her hips and her knees, right? So she's had to have two, both of her hips replaced at different times, two knees replaced. And after she heals, she's out of the, she's, you know, look doing better. She gets leukemia. Oh, man. She she says, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not you know, going to fall to this. She overcomes uh, leukemia. Puts herself through culinary school. So that was a passion of hers, cooking. She's, like, phenomenal. So she goes to culinary school, but because of the knees and hips, she can't stand for long periods of time. So now she's like, it's all good. I'm going to pivot. And she's putting herself back through nursing school. You know what I mean? Like, this chick is, like, so freaking resilient. Yeah. Like, laser-focused, you know, and it doesn't, you know, it, does she have bad days? Of course. But the resilience that she's had this, in, this entire time, I look at the problems, my first world problems, and I'm like, Dude, if she can, I can all day long. Yeah, I mean, what compares to that, that type of struggle? <sighs> and to still find a way and, and to keep moving forward. You know what I mean? Like so yeah. many people will let things like that stand in their way and yeah. they'll be like, oh, well, there's nowhere else for me to go. Mm-hmm. But she's like, no, I still have the rest of my life to live. This is just a part of it. Yeah. It doesn't define me. It's just a part of it. It's a part of it. Yeah. I saw that this morning. I was like, whoa. That's yeah. A, that's a powerful story, man. man. You know what I mean? Can't have kids, right? You know? She's a young gal. She's only 26. Yeah. You know what I mean? Young kid. kid she's married, you know? She's married to a guy that, you know, loves her for who she is. And, you know, uh, but, uh, yeah. So just even when you take a look at the mental toll of a woman not being able to bear children, that in itself takes a lot a toll on a lot of women because a lot of times women you know they identify and express themselves on the ability to bear children now they may not want to but they still have you know what i'm saying yeah at least the ability (laughs) it's like well i want to at least have the choice exactly you know and when that's like stripped away so you're dealing with that and all these other things and she's still with this big old pearly white smile like let's get it i'm like Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah, so, that's she's su- awesome. That's she's super awesome. motivating. I mean, a lot of people can learn something from that. Um, sure. Man, that's dope. <laughs> so, uh, so you you said something kind of in that story is like you guys came together like as a family to, yeah. to help her with. I mean, three four hundred thousand dollars is not cheap. No, not at all. And you guys were able to make that happen. Yeah. Like, how'd you guys do that? I'm just curious. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was a heavy lift by a lot of people, man. Uh, yeah. Everyone chipped in. We did some fundraising. Fundraising. Um, we also, at the time, the organization that I worked for, and you know, shout out to the people. I was a, I was a district manager. I ran a division of Allergan at the time, and um, the company, uh, Allerg, you know, they would match you know, what people put in. So I reached out to a lot of the people that work for me directly and other individuals. Yeah. And like, hey, if you put in, you know, you got fifty dollars in your heart. 
you know, the organization put another 50 in. Yeah. So I had several people that actually did the company match for me oh, to good. double up. That's so, you awesome. know, so they helped out in that capacity. Um, and then, you know, just beating the, you know, beating the streets. We, we are also able to get, because someone had to travel, be there, a family member. Like I was out there for two weeks and then my mom was out there for like three weeks. Cause you know, had yeah. a lot of time to cover. Um, we had an organization, there was an organization that offered, um, a couple flights for free, which helped. Yeah. With the family going back and forth. Yeah. Shout out to the Ronald McDonald House. That's why I all I donate so much money every year and I do a lot at the Ronald McDonald House because they actually kept my niece there for a long time and we only had to pay I think like seven dollars a day, right? Oh, wow. And she was out there for that long. And it would have not been possible if it wasn't for the Ronald McDonald House. So when people say, Hey, do you want to donate to this? I'm like, I only donate to organizations literally that only twenty percent goes towards their you know, um, administrative costs. Yeah. You know, I want 80% or more going to the cause. And Ronald McDonald House, they really, really make sure that a lot of that money goes to the kids. So Yeah, that's important yeah, because man. so many organizations will, like, shield, like, what they're doing and they'll uh-huh. just filter all that money into administrative costs. Right. Yeah. Yeah, big paychecks. So, uh, Whoa, yeah. Well, I assume yeah. there's probably some sort of, like, community effort there. Oh, had to be, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're deep in the community. You know, I, I, I do what I can. You know, I... um. I'm, I've been very blessed in my life, and I know that uh, the more I bless people, it's kind of funny, the more I'm blessed. So yeah, I try to get rid of stuff that's in my hands, and my hands always stay full, you know? <laughs> really, you know what yeah. I mean? So that's how I roll. Yeah, man. I know, I know there's like a deep, I mean, you're obviously like, uh, you walk heavily in your faith. Yes, sir. And um, you, like, you're, like, you're like a great representation of um, like somebody who's like just super positive and like you're always i like i like i said uh, just a second ago before we started recording like i did a shout out to you and robert washington because like you're just sending out so much like positive energy out there i'm a big believer in like the energy that we put out into the world is the energy that you know we is returned so like yeah. the like uh the law of attraction if you will yeah, yeah um are you like is that something that you fall into as far as like the law of attraction do mm-hmm. you have you like have you like studied that or i have is is like your primary like guidance has it been like like the bible and and like that you know what i'm saying i don't know if i'm wording that very well yeah so you know what's my what's my driving force like where do i get my uh my direction from yeah where do you get that Um, from that definitely to your point the bible is my my core text yeah uh you know i'm a christian Mm -hmm. and a firm believer a practicing christian let me say it that way Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i think there's a difference but you know big um, difference yeah yeah you know i'm a practicing christian and um so that's where I get my core, but I do believe in, you know, books like the Law of Attraction and things like that. So I, t- I do my best to uh, practice the things I read. So when you talk about the Law of Attraction, you know, there's a concept that I think about, um, what I call the invisible hands. Right. My philosophy is, if I leave someone better than I found them, right, whether I meet them for a a second, a week, a month, if I leave them better than I found them and I add and multiply in their life versus divide and subtract, now I have this person out in the world with a better experience. So if I, the average person interacts with eight to nine people a day on average. And if I interact and I leave eight to, let's say half of them, four people better than I found them on a given day. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a Ponzi scheme. Get a friend, get a friend. So if I got (laughs) four a day, right, and I do that over the course of a month, that's a lot of people that I left better than I found them. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of funny. People are like, oh, well, this person has luck. Well, those are all invisible hands. So if you multiply that over a year 
and two years, how many people are out there opening doors for you and doing and blessing you without you knowing it? Yeah. You know, people, oh, I, I need to get this promotion. I need to do that. Your name just popped up. It didn't just come up. It didn't pop up. You probably left someone better than you found them. Yeah. And you were on the front of their mind. So that is my expression of the law of attraction, putting goodness out there so goodness can come back, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah. it takes actual work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It does take work. Well, you can't just like think good thoughts and expect <laughs> it. don't work that way. Yeah, I, I <laughs> wish, like, dude. Oh, my goodness. Life would be fantastic. Man. Yeah. For We'd sure. all be millionaires. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, man. But, um, yeah, it does. yeah, it definitely takes work. Um, let's, uh, let's, I want to transition into, uh, the life diet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cause, cause I feel like it's kind of a, a good segue, like, okay. from, like, the positivity because, like, Will you explain the life diet for for me and the folks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, we were talking about that, and I cut you off, and I wanted to. You were just you're going, and I was like, oh man, before you get too deep into I'm it, start slow down. Oh, oh man. So the life diet is um, the life diet is just that. So a couple, some people may have heard of it previously as the relationship diet. When I was doing a lot of work with Fox News, they tried to pit me as this relationship guru i'm like dude that is not me i'm going through a divorce right now like i, I am not your poster child of, of relationship right now um but it was it was it was called the relationship diet initially because it's your relationship with xyz what is your relationship with you know your money your the people in your life your interest you know whatever it is yeah that relationship whatever it looks like to you that's why i call it the relationship diet but People didn't take it that way. People so, have a, a, a weird thing about the word relationship. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. It's always got to be a man and a woman or a man and man or whatever it is, right? But a human thing. But yeah. There's a lot of different relationships. Tons of different relationships. So um, I've repurposed the name. And so, okay, it's called the relate. It's not instead of the relationship diet, it's the life diet. And the life diet is taking a look at helping people understand what are they trying to achieve in life? What is their purpose and their goals? That's the first P. The second P are the priorities. And we break this down, a uh, guy uh, by the name of um, Chris Brady, awesome guy, um, breaks down the uh, priorities in life of the eight Fs. Your family, friends, finances, freedom, uh, fitness, um, faith, and friends, and family. Those are the eight Fs. Right. So, you know, how do we understand how do you spend your time and what truly means something to you? Right. So let's understand those priorities. And then the last one, people, the people in your life. How do we bucket those people? Here are your red people, your yellow and your green. Right. So the people are conduits to help you keep those priorities in line that direct you and your passions and your purpose, right? So it, the, the diet kind of outlines that, and it's a it's an exit journal, right, that helps you write out, physically write out, and put everything into buckets to actually help you execute. So that's what the life diet is about. It's a, you know, I do it. I did it with my son. I started, with my, I started doing that with my son. I think it was in seventh grade, you know, and it's cool when you'd have conversations with your son. Yeah. And the dude's in seventh grade, and I'm like, I said, well, you know, what are you looking to achieve this year? You know, it's big eighth grade. He's like, well, you know, I want to get, you know, because he's playing football. I want to do this in football. Here are my grades and blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. What are your priorities? Well, I want to do a little more of this, so I'm not going to do that. Here's some of my friends. Well, so-and-so, he's going to be a red this year. And when you start being, when you can teach your kids to start being a critical thinker, you're like, ah, nice 
proud dad moment. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Like really thinking through. Yeah. Like, I'm like, good Lord. It feels so good to watch them like figure out the world. Yeah. And, like, come into their own. Or like whenever one of the biggest things that, well, I'll, until I die, I'll remember this. It was just the simplest thing. Um, we were swimming and my son couldn't get to the bottom of the pool to get something off the bottom of it. Yeah. But he tried for, for probably 25 minutes and then he finally did it. Yeah, yeah. And then like his eyes lit up and then he like realized it just like he, it was the very beginning of understanding the process yeah. of, just, of getting better. That's huge. And it's like anything you can do that. You can apply that process to anything to get better. So it's really cool just to see them develop and like little light bulbs go off as they're mm-hmm. getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does the red, yellow, green mean for the, for the people? Oh well, well um, I feel like red is like people like you just kind of you know let them go do their own thing like <laughs> yes and no right <laughs> yeah you're like red is red like no but you know a red can actually be a good person yeah it's just that they don't have an intrinsic position in your life to hold you accountable to your priorities yeah. or help you achieve your purpose for instance you know I got some buddies that I went to high school with good guys we're just on two different paths right now absolutely so they can't commandeer some of my time. Right? Yeah. Because I need that time to do other things. My mom, bless her heart, she was a red for a moment. I, you know, it's funny you say that because my mom's <laughs> actually a red at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I feel like it's just the ebb and flow of life. You yeah. Know I mean? Not everybody's going to fit your journey at the moment. Exactly. And um, it doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't mean you don't love them, but right. it just means that you're just on a different path at the moment. At the, exactly. So, it, so I didn't, I don't know where you are with you. How I played my mom. <laughs> Was when she was a red, she was super, and she was going through a lot, but she was super, super negative. And I was in a super, super positive space. Yeah. And she would always call me throughout the day, not to argue with me, but just to vent and do all these other things. And I had to say to myself, I'm like, okay, when I get off the phone with her, I feel so exhausted. Yeah. And now I'm continuing to attack attack the world at 70%. Yeah. Because she just stole some of my energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can only talk to my mom between six and seven. So I actually kind of placed her in a box. Yeah. After I was through my day and after I planned, I reassessed my day and I planned for the next. I got a little something in my, my belly, my daughter's, you know, in the bath. Now I can talk to her. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Everything's done. Everything's done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so it's people like that. And then your yellows are um, people you engage with caution. They, they, they have a value in your life, and they may, but they're situational, right? It could be someone that you're training with. Right, you got a fight coming up. Yeah. Right. Are they the most positive? Maybe not. But you know that you know they they completely mirror the individual that you're going to fight. So getting good work with that person on set times isn't is intrinsic to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. But you're not going to go kick it with them after you have the sparring session. Right. It's like a professional relationship. <laughs> but there you go. You know what I mean? So there's certain things you know that, but you have to know, the things like, well, I know people. I know who these people are. No. 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 It's it's it's. Until you write it down and you really take an inventory of who these people are, yeah, man, because it's easy to say that person is bad. We all know those. Those are the easy decisions. Oh, yeah. I can't stand her or him, so I'm not going to hang around him. It's the people who you're friends with who really don't feel like they drain you, but they have no intrinsic value. Yeah. Those are the people that really take a lot of your time. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I imagine that yellow category is probably the hardest one to kind of deal with. Yeah. Because – they're just so like they're just. I can think of friends that I have a lot of good people in my life, mm-hmm. but like I have a very high I have high goals right now. Right. And it it takes a lot of time and focus. And 
one of those, so like I'm doing a program called 75 Hard at the moment, mm-hmm. and it's 75 days. It was laid out by um, Andy Frisella. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He owns Supplement Superstores. Um, I'm actually going to take no, I'm going to look this no, up. you're so. fine. 75 Hard? Yeah, it's called 75 Hard, H-A-R-D. Oh, 75 Hard. Hard, gotcha. yeah. And it's 75 days, and um, you do uh, two workouts a day, 45 minutes each. Mm-hmm. One has to be outside. Um, you follow a diet, you pick the diet, but there's no cheat meals and there's no alcohol. Um, you, uh, drink a gallon of water, you read 10 pages a day, Mm -hmm. and then you just take a progress pick every day Mm -hmm. for 75 days, no days off. If you don't do any of those things in those 75, like on one of those days, then you fail the day and you start all the way back over at one. Yeah. Yeah. And that 75 days is just kind of like the, um, it's the foundational program for what he calls Live Hard. Yeah. Um, which, so it, if you do the Live Hard program, it starts on the the day that you start 75 hard. And um, so once you do 75 hard, those 75 days, by your anniversary date, you, there's three other phases that you have to get done. There's three 30-day phases, and you okay. can get those done at any time that you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm doing the 75 hard right now. What day are you? Um, today is day 21. Okay. Oh, so you're in it. Okay. Yeah. I'm so three, you're in it. Dude, okay. Yeah. I'm three weeks yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. You're in it. Yeah, man. And like trying to do all the 75 hard stuff and like remodel this house. <laughs> and like, it was just my son's birthday. It's week. hard. Yeah. It's just, you got to prioritize, man. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's definitely a very physical, it's not, it, there's the physical aspect, but it's a mental challenge is what it's designed to be. So sure. it's like, yeah. Cause some of my workouts are just like this morning. I just walked for 45 minutes. But it's, it was outside. It's outside. Okay. Yeah. It started raining on me. It was yeah. like, yeah, I love it though. But it's, I mean, it's just about making that commitment and doing something that um that you just said you're going to do and like you're not going to um you're not going to uh, like take days off or you're not going to so many people want to celebrate for things that are half done right it's like no like you need to do the whole thing yeah, yeah. um so my point is um the no drinking part um that's not very easy to do in like the midwest we have a very like drinking culture i'm not a big fan of like alcohol to be honest with you i'm kind of a social drinker right um but i've noticed as i'm doing this like i kind of like have to not hang out with certain people because they're just not conducive to what i'm trying to do right i mean yeah 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 yeah. just in particular with like the drinking is one of the things that i've noticed yeah so they could be a yellow could be a yellow they definitely could be a yellow for sure you can engage with that friend just not in an environment that may encourage you to drink right yeah it would just it just have to be like i don't know like when we're doing jujitsu or something yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. and and you know that so that's it's things like that being very cognizant of things like that what are you trying to achieve but the people in your life can make or break you people say tongue-in-cheek you know keep your circles you know um you know keep a close eye on your circles and all this other stuff but do you really take an inventory and do it yeah, I'm, I say <laughs> it know? all the time. It, it kind of makes me feel like an asshole, but I'm always, <laughs> I'm like, I'm constantly taking audit of the people around me. Yeah, all the time, and it's just like if you don't fit the mission, mm-hmm. then I just can't have you around. Yeah, and I actually had a really good friend um, that I had to just like cut off completely because he was probably one of the most like negative people I've ever met in my life. And, like mm-hmm. I tried to help him a couple times, right. and you know how some people when uh, there's just no helping them. Like you can do as much as you can for them but they will always put themselves like in the net, like another bad situation for sure yeah so there and there's not, like doesn't make them a bad person mm-hmm. but they would go in the red category Th- they would because john i'm a huge fan of john maxwell and i teach some of his content yeah and john says that people only change in a couple ways one they're forced two they learn and three they're hurt yeah unfortunately 70% of the time it's cuz they've been hurt right not because they learn or they're forced, right? So 
you know, good guys like you and I and other people in the world, when we try to help people, we try to love people through it, they're not going to change until they've been hurt or when they're ready. Yeah. So we find ourselves enabling them and hitting our head against the wall. So we have to be critical thinkers and very sensitive to understand when they're ready. Yeah. Or we're going to be frustrated, you know. So that may be a friend to your point. You know, you love from a distance. You know, I'm, I love you, but from over here. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no love's gone, but, you know, so I hear you, man. Yeah, you just got to walk that path yeah. over there, man. But reverse kudos to you, though, because, you know, you're talking about pers- uh, you know, positive people on social media. You know, past two years, I've seen nothing but inspirational messages from you you challenging yourself and your body doing different flow things you had the mace going on you know different ways you're eating you have no idea people cruising through seeing you challenge yourself that really motivates other people as well it keeps people like myself in check like i gotta keep on my man he's doing this thing or people had a bad day saying i can do that it's only a little step at a time you know so Please understand that what you're doing as well, my man, uh, people are definitely, you're leaving people better than you found them too. Well, much appreciated. Yeah, for I sure. I try. It's, it's always interesting when people like reach out to you and mm-hmm. like will we'll just say like, a, like, oh man, like, oh, I went and did a run today because like you were out there running this Yeah, time. right, yeah, right. Yeah. It's almost kind of surreal. I don't, I don't know how to even take it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I was just running. <laughs> I don't know. How do you handle it? You know, uh, it, it it is awkward, you know, um, uh, it, it's awkward, but then I just tr- try to take a step back and realize I'm doing it for a greater purpose. Because I'm like you. I got that Chris Rock philosophy. Don't give me credit for something I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but to, to you and I, like if you're in a good mental space, it, it is easy. Yeah. But you take a look at people like my niece or people who just go th- going through a divorce or, you know, people who've been depressed for a long moment of time. That little run outside would be a win for them. Yeah. You know, I work in the neuro, you know, we were talking about the space I work and we do some, you know, um, neuromodulation implants, you know, uh, for my company, the company I work for, we do surgical implants. And there are people who've been depressed from pain for seven, eight years. And I had a woman tell me, you know, she's crying because she was crying because she could cry. Like, think about what I just said. She was crying because she could cry. So she was so depressed for so long that the ability to cry was tears of joy. Oh, wow. So there's, there's all types of people. Like, everyone has a story, you know? So the things that you and I take, like, I came over here. Like, I got a first-world problem. I, I went, I did some banking, I deposited some money, I got something to eat, I drove over here, and we're talking about life. This, you know, is huge. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people don't have, like, it's the middle of the day right now. You know what I mean? A lot of people are grinding and grinding, working third shifts and doing all this other stuff. So, you know, I try to be as realistic as possible to understand that, you know, these um, things I take for granted, these small little things, are huge victories in other people's lives, you know? Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I'm always trying to um, just keep things in perspective. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah. like, I mean, I, I worked that corporate, like, 9 to 5 gig for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And um, to have, like, the ability to, like like you said, just sit here in the middle of a day and have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> feels pretty good yeah you know, it's a good thing you yeah know, we're blessed dude like first world problems right yeah for sure man <laughs> for sure so you um you like you look so young and i'm not saying that you're not saying, and i'm not saying that you're old but i mean you said like you've you've like been um i can't remember what space but you said like almost 20 years yeah and um so i mean you've had a ton of experience you've done a ton of things like what wh- in the beginning, like, what was the beginning like for you? I mean, were you, because it's, it's, 
let me think how I want to say this. It's easy for people to look at somebody and just like judge them where they are today. Sure. As opposed to like, you don't see the journey, right? You don't see the hard days mm-hmm. or the stressful days or, you know, the ups and the downs, like the failures. Yeah. So like for you, when like when you started, like what were some of those, um, like what were some of those like uh, things that you used to kind of like get you going down your path? Were they like, did you have any like mentors in your life? Let's start there actually. Like, yeah, yeah. Who were some of your mentors like growing up or people that you look to or even today? Like who are some mentors in your life? Yeah, I, I've always had mentors in my life and um, even now. I'm actually right now reassessing my pool of one, accountability partners, but two, uh, to get another mentor. I think at every level of your life, regardless of how successful you are, you should always have a, a mentor one or two in accountability partners. So for me, it started when I was in, I wrestled for, in high school for Ledoux, right around the corner, right? Do time, do time. <laughs> um, you know, so I ran track, wrestled, played football there. And I remember my freshman year, right? My freshman year, I had perfect attendance at the end of the year. Perfect attendance. I was a good kid. I was actually a legitimately good kid, right? <laughs> I finished, bro, with a 1.6 GPA freshman year. Whoa, not doing any homework, huh? One point six. I was in I was in class, I was there, I was like asking questions, you know what I mean? I'm, but I still did I only performed in the things that interested me. Yeah. So I'd have like an A and an F. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then that year I remember I was ineligible for track and I, I only had got to wrestle in exhibition uh matches because I was ineligible fine, mm-hmm. uh for my grades. So the two things two guys that would change my life because I I was raised by a single mom. Um, so, and I, had the, I essentially had the best father that you could, you know, dream of from starting out to seventh grade and then they divorced and, you know, he went, uh, MIA. We have a good relationship now, but he went literally MIA for about 10 years, oh, 10 wow. to 15 years. So my mom's raising me single mom. She's doing her thing. So, um, my role male role models became my English teacher Dr. Heidi, Mr. Heidi, and my wrestling coach, Lee Grubbs. And uh, those two guys right there, they believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And I remember sitting down with them, talking to me about having so much talent, but not talent just to do the sport. They valued me as a human being. So that was the first time I felt valued just as a human, regardless of what I wanted to do. Whether it was be a student body president or play football, it didn't matter. I had value and I had purpose. And I felt that from both of them, that they saw that in me. And uh, I remember getting this award. Doc, Mr. Heidi would give out these awards called All-American Awards. And if you talk to anybody that graduated from Ladue from the um, early 80s to early 2000s, if you mention the name Mr. Heidi, they say, oh, yeah, he always say, so great, you're an all-American. <laughs> like this quirky-ass white dude, heavy with these glasses, nerdy guy, you're all-American, so great that he used to always do that. And it meant so much to get this all-American award from him, you know, and, my, and, and working with my wrestling coach, he would just push me and push me and push me and just show me so much love. Those two people, man, dude, I work my butt off. I got, I was on some iron rolls doing my thing, busting my butt, you know. I was able to, you know, wrestle for Solonoi. Um, oh, you went to SIUE? I went to SIUE. Yeah, I went to SIUE. Uh, my, my coach, uh, Lee Grubbs, wrestled with Larry Kristoff. Okay. And I met this guy named Booker. He was funny as all get out. Uh, he was one of the wrestling coaches. Right, I was right when 
my boy Mike Rogers was leaving, I was coming in. Okay. So Mike was, you know, doing this thing, big all-American heavyweight. I'm a little dude, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm a little dude, you know. So, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so those two guys really changed the trajectory of my life. You know, it started with those guys. But throughout my life, um, I've always tried to uh, um, ex- just experience as many things as possible. Yeah. You know, I think for me – in high school, I got to go to my godmother's Puerto Rican. So I would go on the summers to Puerto Rico and I would see this new life, this how other people lived. And that fascinated me. Yeah. So from there, I wanted to go to other places. Yeah. So that's when I, you know, I lived abroad in the Netherlands for a while. I did this. And, you know, before you know it, over time, I'm traveling and traveling and traveling and understanding and seeing other people. It helped me understand and appreciate other people as well. And I really do believe as I've had hardships in life, which I've had many from losing jobs, you know, I've owned and sold many businesses. I've been in, you know, I've, I've sued tons of people. I've, you know, you, you know what I mean? Seriously, I mean, it's been a nightmare, you know. Um, but my faith has kept me strong. And then also the people have kept me in check. So I got my spiritual check and then the people, you know, my personal like you and I we're cohorts right you my personal accountability partner and then my mentors to say are you sure you're looking through this lens so I've been really blessed to have my bible and the people around me to help me get through things you know yeah so you've always had like a team of people around you always man yeah yeah I've heard you say several times like accountability yeah for sure yeah and like you you seem to take measures to place accountability in your life which I have to I'm yeah I'm I'm like I've done very well for myself but I'm legitimately the average American. I'm the average American that understands my blind spots and I put, try to put things in place so I don't fall victim to myself. Yeah. Like, like, for instance, I'm like, squirrel. That's me. Like, I'm sudden impact. If you need me to do something, I can go and make immediate impact. But my Achilles heel is sustaining and, and t- engaging with something over a long period of time. No. So because I know that's a shortcoming, I have to, I put things in place so I don't fall victim to myself. Yeah, but you have that awareness. That self-awareness is but huge. We, but a lot of us, we do. We just choose not to. Like, I'm not, I don't do anything too novel. I just apply consistency over time. That's the most important thing right there. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh. And we all can do that. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, we all, they took a, they did this study and they took like the best leaders, the, the most successful leaders in corporate America. And they took a look at the, the attributes that they had, okay? And the top attributes that made these people successful was not the degree and not the intelligence factors. It was integrity, accountability, and resilience. Those are things that are free. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when, when they took the top 100 like, CEOs and successful people, when they took a look in this study, those were the things that were that you didn't have to pay for. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? That, so, that's consistent across the board. Yeah. 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 Now, some people may argue about integrity in corporate America, but, you know, you get the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to get the point. Yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the lesson still stands. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So, Man. Yeah. So how old were you when you first left the country to Puerto Rico? Seventh grade. Seventh grade? Yeah. Yeah. And since then, I've been to over 50 countries. I've lived abroad. Like, now, every year I try to go out of country two times, two or three times, you know. Oh, wow. Travel yeah. is so important just yeah. to expand your horizons and see how other people are living. It's yep. so easy to think that, especially here in America, we feel like the way we do it here or just anywhere people probably do it. Like, you feel like your way of life is, like, the main way of life. Right. But you can go just to a, just another part of this country. You can go to New York or L.A. or um, 
Chicago, uh, well, Chicago's somewhat similar to us, but not <laughs> not as much. Miami, totally different worlds. Yeah, you know what I mean? People world. living just way different than us, yeah. acting different than us. Just everything's just, and that expands your horizons and like it makes you aware of what's all out there. Yeah, that's so important as a kid. That's one of the things that I try to do with my kids is expose them to those things. Right. I actually never even left Missouri until I was, I think I was like sixteen. Right. I was like a it was going into, I think, junior year. It was for a wrestling camp. It was to Nebraska, of all places. <laughs> 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 like, where are you going? We're going to Nebraska. We're going to Nebraska to go wrestle. Cornhuskers. First time I can remember actually leaving Missouri, man. And then um, ever since then, though, I was just like, ah, man, I got to travel more. And so, like, I did a couple things. And then once I, um, like, I went through divorce and, and all of that, I was like, man, like, two years ago, I just made a choice. I'm like, I'm going to travel more. And right. I can't tell you how many times I've, like, I've traveled since then. And yeah. It probably, I think last year I probably traveled like seven or eight times yeah. just going places. And people yeah. are like, you're always traveling. I'm like, it's not that hard to do if you just manage it well and just there set, you go. set your priorities. There you go. Yeah. Especially now you're not drinking, you can save that money. Yeah. That's I'm, a flight trip right there. I'm 75 <laughs> days of no drinking. I mean. Well, I mean, I'm pretty, yeah, I've never, I've never been much of a drinker. I usually prefer cannabis over alcohol. <laughs> so, except for cannabis, no. I really do. It's just, it's, just, it's not hard on the body. <laughs> nice. But, um, but I took my kids to Florida uh, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, it was just such a, I was just so proud of that moment because two years ago whenever i was working on express scripts like i were we were planning a trip and i wanted to take them and then i actually got fired from express scripts like mm-hmm. unexpectedly and it kind of just like sit me down this path to where one i realized that so many of us have kind of been sold this idea of you know you go to school and you get your degree and you go and you work a corporate job and and, like, that's going to be the security. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I mean, like, that's a way. Some people do right. make it that way. But right. there's no real guarantee that. Not at all. You know what I mean? Like, you're essentially kind of just a number in a system. That's and, correct. And they will definitely get rid of you if you don't fit the mold. Yeah. Um. So, like, that kind of shifted my, like, uh, the way I look at the world. It just shifted my whole paradigm. But it, it, it delayed me taking them to Florida. So I was super uh proud to like take them Mm -hmm. and for them to just see what else is out there because i know at that young of an age like you're a sponge you're taking everything Everything in in. yeah Yeah, for sure for sure it's going to completely just change the way they see everything yeah yeah so i thought that was pretty cool so you guys how long did you guys go uh we were down in clearwater area for about uh about a week oh that's a good time that's a good time it was cool yeah it was a fun time um i had a friend down there uh and he has took us on the boat so that's pretty cool they got to go do all that except they're i mean their minds are so much oh i mean because here we got the mississippi (laughs) that great body of water you know i mean nice and muddy yes yeah you know so that that's huge man yeah, no, so it was cool, though. I, I definitely look forward to uh, to taking them uh, more places for sure. But you said you also lived in Holland for how long? Uh, about two years. Did you train Muay Thai out there? I did, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah it, was, it was a blast. Um, I uh, lived there, right? I lived there uh, 99 through 2000, the converge, convergence of the European Union. So initially, like I said, my background is economics and finance. So I went over there and I did some uh, currency research. So got to write this little thesis on what would happen to the dollar, essentially, right? Oh. Uh, the currency as more entrances came into the European Euro- Union and other countries lost in sovereignty. Like how dependent was that? What will the dollar do? So, you know, you know, so so I got to do over that. I was blessed to chill at the Hague and I met a lot of great friends, man. And uh, I lived on a new beach, man, believe it or not, in Zanfort. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. But it's not what you think. It's like, 
average age 70 yeah you know so old people old wrinkly yeah you know like when, I, when i was going i'm like oh new beast would how they'd be know, so awesome yeah dutch women like no you're like Ethel 70 frank out there yeah yeah <laughs> spin and all them cats you know spin, yeah that's well, swedish but still you know what i'm saying that's true yeah so yeah see i just try to americanize them <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was fun so have you have you been over the i have not no so oh, i've only left the country once it was just to the bahamas which is a good time that was like three years ago mm-hmm. um definitely planning of far more trips mm. um i think we're going to we're talking about going to greece next year okay that should be pretty fun okay well you should take a just a two-day a two-day trip to the netherlands now i know a lot of people that like going because of amsterdam don't get me wrong but there's so much Hol- amsterdam just that area offers so much you have um the van gogh museum there the anne frank house you have the Rembrandt spline and the Lydus spline that has all these amazing um, restaurants on them. I mean, it's just, it's so literally beautiful there. Yeah. There's so much to do. The whole part of the world is just and so And the Red Light District, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> 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 you can just throw it on there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But, you know, there's like a lot of like, you know, it's, it's amazing, man. It's yeah, amazing. yeah. Europe's pretty cool because you can essentially just hop on a train and go anywhere. Yeah, it's like being in the States, but much different cultures right you know what i mean right it's just such it's so much older there's just so much history there's so much to see um where uh where else have you have you lived anywhere else Uh, outside of the united outside Outside of st louis yeah outside of the united states kansas city well outside of the united states i mean no that's the only place i've only lived out of the country one time okay frequented you know a ton but yeah uh, only lived once Yeah. yeah so i do think that you know like one of my favorite countries is Sweden. I love there. I've been to Sweden probably eight times. I love Sweden. I love the Swedes. Um, uh, there's a lot of places that have great economies and good people and parity. So I do believe that um, the United States can take and learn lessons from other or other countries. Oh yeah. You know, um, you know, like even if we play higher taxes, there's still great lifestyles that can be afforded and lived by doing it other ways. So um, when people say things like, oh, you know, it's the best country, I do believe we live in an amazing country and I'm a proud and happy to be American, but I don't think we have this shit figured out. <laughs> we, could, we could definitely be better. You know what right? I'm saying? Yeah. I, I feel so conflicted. Dude, there was a point in my life to where I was like, I want to leave this place. Yeah, yeah. Like even like denounce my citizenship because yeah. there's, there's, there's so much obviously like wrong with the country. Yeah. And... It doesn't seem like it should be so complicated to fix. That's true. But it is. Right. For some reason. Right. And um and th- again, same thing like just to echo you, but like I mean, it I'm happy to be an American, like this is a great place to live, but we could definitely do things a whole lot yeah. better, man. And we yeah. could we could be looking at other uh societies and they always say, Well, well that's like a, a very like homogenistic society and there's not a lot of variance there and it's a smaller population. How <laughs> would you do that to you know, the United States? But it's like people are people to a certain degree. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, exactly. So I mean, if you flip that logic on its head. Yeah. So how can we take X amount of senators in the House and allow them to make decisions over 300 million people. Right. You know, and we're I'll taking their small thought and spreading it, so why can't you scale? Yeah. Companies scale all the time. So all you tell me a country can't? 
Yeah. And we can scale. Oftentimes, those representatives will do things completely against the will of the people they're all representing. Day long. I can't remember what it was. So many things come and go all the time. Mm-hmm. But what uh, something happened with the internet probably three years ago or two years ago where they like they deregulated it or they. Well, there's a lot going on with security and selling information. Yeah. I know with Facebook that there was a big thing with Facebook about uh, three years ago. It was something with like the actual internet itself. There was oh. like this huge measure that was passed that something like 80% of the people mm-hmm. in like the country were against, but like it still got passed. Oh, I don't, I don't know what that was. Uh, I should be more knowledgeable. Yeah, pardon my ignorance on that no, one. No, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm obviously not like, I can't tell you what Did it we, was. So we lost, but you know, we don't know what it is. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. It was like something like they, like they, uh, like they, did they deregulate it or or no? What I think they put regulations in place because like right now like the the internet's like a free for all right? Yeah, like yeah. Anybody can put anything on there. Yeah. But I think they put some things in place that would like put regulations on there. Okay. And at the time they were just saying like, well we're doing this, but it's not going to affect anything. And this has been a couple years. Yeah. yeah. But like so many people were like just against obviously it. Obviously against it. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. People on both sides. It didn't matter. Like yeah. everybody was against it, but for some reason it still passed. Huh. And I. I, I need to do more research as yeah, yeah, far as yeah, like yeah. what the name of it is, so that way I could tell people like when we're talking like <laughs> this thing. Um, but like that instance, it was just like, wow! Like so many people want something, but the government just did something completely different. Yeah. And then we always say we're the best country in the world, but we do things that if you wanted to be the best country, why wouldn't you want more winners? You know what I mean? I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Seriously, it, like it, it kills me. Like we have twenty five percent of the world's like incarcerated. Uh, pop, you know, and mm-hmm. we twenty five percent of the world's people, or yeah, incarcerated. I'm not saying that fact right. I don't know how I'm saying that. Twenty five percent of the world's incarcerated people are Living here in, in the, America. Are right. here in the right. United States, right? Yeah. And the disproportionate amount of those are obviously like people of color, right? Usually for nonviolent, um, sure, drug offenses, right? So right. it's just like, and then we don't necessarily have like the best educational system. And it's just like, if you want more winners, why would you not put people in better positions and then we have a better country? Take a look at the, here's some statistics and I, it's something I came across that I found fascinating. And this is not, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. And I just found this interesting. So the, there's 51, 51% of uh, Congress are millionaires, yet only 5% of millionaires are in America live in America. So we talk about who's making decisions for who. It's interesting. 51% of Congress are millionaires, yet only 5% of individuals in America are millionaires. Hmm. Huh. Uh, so white men in Congress, 77%. White men in the United States, 31%. Women in Congress, 20%. Women in America, 51%. Over 55 years of age in Congress, 67%. Over 55 in America, 28%. Yeah. See? <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. They're definitely not in touch. They're definitely not in touch. Yeah. You know? Especially like the judicial branch because, yeah. I mean, those judges are appointed for life. They're just chilling, man. Talking yeah. Cush job. I'd rather be uh, one of the, the supreme uh, justices than president. They're just literally chilling. They're just chilling. Yeah. But if you think about that, if you're appointed for life, there's only going to be so many like iterations of like people coming through that that office. Right. I mean, how many old world values are going to be held in that particular position, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. like governing the law of the land? Yeah. So it's just, I think it just kind of keeps us behind. Well, that well, that's why our social social systems uh, it takes so long to catch up because 
to that point, the highest law of the land at certain points of time have been in power supporting the things that were not positive in nature for right. all of humanity. Right. So when we're going through Brown versus the Board of Education or the Dred Scott case or things in the 70s, these are people like put in perspective like my mom, like I'm 41. Right. So I'll throw my age out there. Oh. I use a good moisture. You're like 10 years older than me. You weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing. You weren't supposed to make me feel bad. So like, You're so, young, bro. Yeah, see what I'm saying? So like my mom, right? My mom drank out of a black-only water fountain. So I don't have to go too far to hear about that experience. My girlfriend's mom was in a segregated school. Like, so, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, so when we talk about this is like me, I was the first person in my family to be born out of slavery and segregation in 1978, right? That's not far. So when we take a look at these justices who've sat over America, some of these people were around when, like, putting water on black people and sicking dogs was cool. They, they had to overcome their own internal conflicts to be okay. You know what I'm saying? So it takes a while when the highest law of the land has basically governed for generations and decades. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So it, you know, so why is it taking so long? Well, our system ain't the best. I mean, you know, when right. you have popular, even when the populace of a society can vote one individual and another individual get voted in, it's like, mm. Yeah. Mm. What's really going on? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it, but here's the thing. In all fairness, it's happened for Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Right? So not just the Trump thing. It's happened in both Democrats and Republicans. So. I think, yeah, they're all on the same team. Like, I think so. I think so, too. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, they all have to work together. And this whole blue versus red, Democrat versus Republican, like, that's, that's what's kind of uh, – that's like a cancer for real. I mean, it is. It just, it just a two-party system? It just – pits people together that's it doesn't make any sense Not a, we need like four at least four i'm a firm believer in at least four different parties it keeps everyone honest man yeah you can't just have two and then they tell on themselves because there's something called with in, in the when they're making rules and things like that even on tv they can go to a place called the spin room think about that what's the spin room we know we know so let's when they go so a lot of times when there's they're discussing in subcommittees and certain things yeah it's it's out for everyone to see but they can close and go offline oh, and yeah. make deals yeah they do and all, we know about it they do it all the time like checked up they they drop things into bills and stuff all the time all the time package it in yeah and like oh you know what you voted against the kids well no there was like this 10,000 page bill that yeah had some good stuff in it but then you're going to inject this and you know put this little social thing in that I'm against and now you're going to use it against me say I voted against giving water to the kids yeah. no it's this you know what I'm saying it's like yeah. they play the game against each other that's why I'm like why can't we do why can't we do line item vetoes that would be beautiful but both Democrats and Republicans are against the line item veto so you have this bill that goes and the president can veto everything or why not just say, you know what, I just don't like that one thing. Yeah. Instead of making them start all over from scratch. Talk about a jacked up process. Yeah, I mean, that seems like more common sense, right? Yeah. Like, come on. Let's, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know why it has to be so complicated. I even think of it just from like a, a personal, like um, even just much smaller because there's so many broken systems. It's yeah. like, why can't we just start fixing this system or that system, just even if, if it's longer that way? Yeah. But like the family court system, for example, oh. like, dude. I, You've been divorced. I've been divorced. And um, I, I watched a really good documentary. It was um, 
it was talking about divorce in uh, what part of the world? Maybe it was like like Denmark and mm-hmm. diff- like here. There's in, there's incentive with divorce, right? That is true. To to I'm gonna take a drink on this one. To get money, <laughs> to, I'm t- to, to to drag it out. You yes. know what I mean? To get whatever you can. But um, over there, it was like. Divorce is six months to a year tops, right. and it's just as easy as getting married. Like here, getting married is super easy. You go to the courthouse, pay your fee, yeah. boom, you're married. It's the exact same thing to get divorced there. It's um, it's like you go, you fill out a piece of paper, you mail it in. They give you six months to think about it, right? And then um, and then that's it. There's no there's no child support. There's no alimony. There's none of that because it's understood that you're both adults and that you're going to go live your life. And as an adult, you're going to have to take care of yourself anyway. And if you have kids together, then it's automatically 50-50, mm-hmm. um, no child support. It's just it's assumed that you're going to have to take care of them anyway. You're going to be living. Um, if, if there is a contested divorce, the longest it will take is a year. And if there is child support, you only pay child support throughout that year where it's contested. And then after that, it's all done and you guys go your separate ways hmm. and it's that simple yeah it's like it just i don't understand why something like why can't we do something that simple i don't understand i, th- I think that would be it would be a really good way of doing it and i don't now do i believe that every mom and dad carries their weight no no do i think that some people try to get out of it and not take care of their children yes um, but I do think there's a large sum of individuals that are responsible that also get taken advantage of. So where is the happy medium? I, I don't believe that if a mother or a father has 50% custody of their children that they should have to pay child support. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I don't believe yeah. that. Or why um, even have to fight to get 50%? Because it's, it's automatically assumed that, yeah. like, the dad's just going to get, like, one day a week and every other weekend. Yeah, see, I, I've that, never understood that. Yeah, I, I don't understand how that became the standard, and I, I don't uh, agree. With, like, I was, you know, I had a good – and here's the thing. I have a good co-parenting. I just I have a good co-parenting. Yeah, we're not saying you. I'm not trying to mess it up. I, you do a nice job. Thank you for working with me, my ex-wife. Um, you know, um, so we we do well co-parenting, and and she did not contest um, the you know the fifty-fifty. But um, I, to your point, it's the it's the given. It's the standard. And I'm like, how did that come to be? Right. Like how how did it just become assumed that? the dad gets one day a week and every other weekend. Right. That's like crazy to me. And I know there's also research that's been done uh, taking a look at absent fathers versus absent mothers. I'm not minimizing the impact of women and children's lives by far, but there's a dramatic long-term impact in a negative way when a father's absent versus a mother being absent. You see it all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, all through the black community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of absentless father families. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you That's see it all the time. Um, or even on the, the flip side of, like, <clears throat> if you have somebody who's, like, super successful and then they're paying alimony mm-hmm. for life. Until wh- they get married again. That is a joke. The, uh, a male or a woman, a, a, a husband or a oh, you know, man or woman can get alimony in Missouri – until they marry again. Wasn't some places, like, even once you get married again, yes! you have to pay alimony? Yes. Like, you're paying alimony longer than you're actually married. Exactly. Sometimes. That is bananas to me. I don't understand it. You can be you can be with someone else, boot up, chilling, living the life, and he or she still has to pay for you. That is crazy to me. Yeah. 
That's that, crazy. That just almost seems like common sense to me. You know? I don't know. I don't get it. But you know, I think because the when you start talking about family court, it's not popular and it's not sexy. And you can get many more enemies than people that are for you. So a lot of the politicians are not looking to touch that issue at all. It actually operates like under its own thing. Like, yeah. It doesn't even go by like regular law. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Seriously. Yeah. It's it's crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So. But uh, I digress. Sorry to take you on that tangent. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I, but no, we, we're talking about like the jacked up. Yeah, just the systems, systems in general. But you know? yeah, yeah. Um, I was talking my who I was I was talking my son about this. Yeah, we were talking my son. I was trying to explain to him because uh, he's 19 now, but just the reality. We had this conversation maybe a couple years ago. Just the reality of our system and how it's. You know, we talk a lot about race, and I do think race plays a, a major role in the issues that we have. But I also think economics do, do as well. Right. And one of the and I tried to break it down as simple as possible for him. I said, All right, so if I'm driving. And I and the speed limit says seventy, and I go eighty. I get pulled over. The cop comes up. He issues me a ticket for breaking the law. Okay, you do the same thing. Break going above the speed limit is breaking the law. Right. Right. It's a speed limit. It's a law. Right. So you get a ticket. Okay. We both take the ticket to the court because I have the means to hire an attorney for breaking the law and you do not, you get a ticket for breaking that law. However, the court will lie for me now and say I was had a non moving violation. Yeah. That is a lie. Because yeah. I actually broke that law. Yeah. So because I had the financial means, I get my sentence or my ticket or the crime reduced to something that's not simply off of economics and money. Yeah. That it doesn't get any clearer. So all you take a look at that, and then you just look at the rest of the system. It's the same thing. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So when we talk about inequality, if you have more money than the next person, your laws aren't really the laws you're breaking. How fair is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's not justice is such. You, a weird that's thing, like right? jacked up. Yeah, you see it all the time, man. It's like whoever just has the money to to buy their way out. Which doesn't, I don't know, man. And we're not even talking about the gender and racial things that you can compound on that. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I mean? I'm, we're just talking about the financial side of things. Yeah. You know, there's all those other issues, too. Yeah, and then there's just there's the whole human aspect of it. Like, what, what mood is the judge going to be in? You know, there's a study. Did take, he have a long day? There's a study talking about um, uh, they followed some judges uh, for, uh, they were, or it wasn't judges, it was, it was with parole. Okay. And it was for the parole hearing. And somebody was more likely to get parole after lunch than before it because mm. whoever was, you know, deciding on the parole hadn't eaten yet. And whenever we eat and we're full, we're more likely to say yes. Endorphins are high in the brain. Yeah. You feel <laughs> just, just how fickle is that That's system crazy. when you're like your whole freedom like, is Like, can just, I get after lunch, please? Yeah, it's like after you've eaten. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? Like, I don't know. That's wh- what I got to – I want to check that out. That's pretty cool. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, I I've, I think I've come across that in a couple of different my readings. I should document these more. The problem is whenever like you're taking in so much information, mm-hmm. how can you like – you have to 
keep records of everything. It'd be hard. You'd, you'd be stopping like every like that's good. You'd be like writing yeah. all these nuggets. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So you seem like a very well studied person. Um, what are some things that you like to turn to? Are you like a, do you um, books? I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of like your favorite books? Do you also listen to podcasts or like what are yeah. some sources of information for you? Um, like on my phone, um, I have um over five hundred. Um, it's called Philosopher's Notes. So this is this is normally my go-to right here. So and I can see I've actually this in um, a jump drive. Okay. I have over 500 of the best world's books on different subject matters: spirituality, growth, wealth and abundance, happiness and fitness, people skills. Oh wow! And the Philosopher Notes takes basically a 25 synopsis of the major points of those books. Oh, super super freaking cool! Nice. Um, I do a lot. I do a lot of those. I still got. I mean, I've had it for a couple of years, but 500. I've got to work them right. Yeah. Um, I, I like tangible books as well that I, I'll read and pot, I love podcasts and. Anytime I can make my car a library. Psh, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of audible books. I yeah. do some podcasts. The, I found, though, the more you, that, you, that you do, it's hard to consume. It is very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, once I started the podcast, I don't have as much time to listen to podcasting. <laughs> 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 it's tough. It's so tough. And... Um, I'll, I'll be I'll, like I was uh, laying floor now at the house before this, mm-hmm. and I was just listening to a book like an audible book the whole time yeah. I was doing work. So yeah. there's easy ways to like get it in, but right. you have to like take that conscious effort to actually do that. Or you find yourself like I've I've listened to a couple of things like eight times because when you start consuming um, information and you become like a lover of information, just like anything, you get acclimated and you get satiated and you go through the motion. Yeah. And I found myself like, damn, okay, I listened to like nine times. I don't remember what the hell I was listening to. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I have to be more intentional. I got to like, The active listening. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what he was talking about. I got to do that again. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I got to slow down sometimes. Man, dude. Dude, it's kind of a small world because um, I was actually heavily recruited by SIUE to come wrestle there. Nice. I ended up going to Lindenwood instead. Okay. I wish I would have went to SIUE. They were offering me a full ride. Oh, nice. But they didn't have athletic training at the time. Um, the, the coach was uh, Mike Whalen. Okay, yeah, he was after I was gone. Yeah, and he was like, he's like, oh, we have a good kinesiology program. That's not what I want to do, man. But <laughs> hindsight, I wish I would went to kinesiology. <laughs> but um, having wrestled for me, it was uh, one of the like the. I don't know, like it, it, it set the tone for the rest of my life. Agreed. Um, just like learning how to work hard, and it just set the pace for like. It, it taught me what it what it means to um, like be mentally tough. Sure. I remember there was a Sunday practice because wrestling was seven days a week. Like right. usually on the weekends, like we had like a tournament or something. Right. Varsity would come in on Sunday and we would lift and run. Um, on this particular Sunday, I don't what know, high school did you wrestle? I went to Jefferson City High School. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So okay, I'm not Jeff. from St. Okay. Louis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this was probably like my, my senior year. I think it was, and I was. I hate to. I don't like to be. I don't know. I was the best guy. I was the best on the team. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, how do I, I was the man. <laughs> I was the best on the team. Right, right, right. So it's like, so me and my training partner, like, we're fucking killing it all the time. Yeah. Like, I was 189. He was 170. We're the two best on the team. You're 189. Yeah, I, I'm. I weigh the same now as I did in high school. Dang, dang, okay. I fought at 170. Yeah, well, I know. That's why I'm, I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so, like, we were always just killing it. And, like, on this particular Sunday, I can remember thinking, like, man, just get off my ass, dude. Like, we're killing it. Right. Either way, like, he, I don't know what was into him. Like, this was the hardest Sunday practice we've ever had. We lifted really, really hard for an hour. Like, it was steaming in that room. Mm-hmm. Went across the street to the high school, and we would run a hall. So, we go, like, this big circle around the hall. And you have to get that. And I think, like, under, like – 
it was like under a minute. And if you, I think it was like 45 seconds is what it was. Yeah, and yeah. if you didn't get it, then it didn't count. <laughs> and we ran, <laughs> and we normally did about 16 of those. So it was usually about like sprinting two miles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we did those and then, uh, we're, you know, we're fucking dead. We're tired. And then we go across the room to the wrestling room and then we proceed to like live wrestle for the next hour. Oof. It was the hardest practice ever. And I know he intentionally did this, right? Like, he wanted us all to break. Like, right. we're, like, crying. Yeah, and, like, yeah. we're going, we're, like, we're we're just, we're pissed off at each other. And then, like, at the end of it, when it's all said and done, like, he takes us through, like, this visualization. And almost like a meditation. He has us all lay down. And then we did um, a visualization drill. Uh, uh, we pick a wrestler and, like, pick the tournament. We're not for, like, for me, it was, like, state. And, like, I'm talking, like, I'm thinking about, like, Deron Wynn, who is right. one of the best wrestlers in the country. Yeah. And, like, now he, like, fights in the UFC and stuff. And, um, but in that moment, like, I thought I couldn't do more. But there was, I hit this, I hit this switch and I, and I was like fuck this and i just kept going yeah and like i've thought about that a lot over my life and like that was the very first moment to where i realized that um you're capable of far more yeah. than you will ever lead yourself to believe for sure and like the mind while it is like your greatest strength i believe mm -hmm. it can also be like your biggest enemy all day long but you just have to like break through that and it's like tell yourself to shut the fuck up yeah and and do the work and like you reach like you can get the second wind and you and you're far more powerful than you ever believed yourself to be yeah and that's like a very empowering like realization mm -hmm. that you can do more so i say all that to say like with with you wrestling like were there any lessons like that like did you like was that kind of like your introduction to like mental strength or? all day yeah all day long man uh, i think wrestlers are the best the greatest athletes in the world you know um it's it's self versus self you don't really get that opportunity in other sp um, sports to have you versus yourself truly yeah you know um and for me it was um my coach Lee Grubbs in high school, and this got me through that and pledging in my fraternity because that was the hell. <laughs> but yeah, those two things, wrestling and pledging my fraternity, were you know like. Um, but uh, I so my my wrestling coach Lee Grubbs always do this. So before every match, he would grab me my senior year. We all had nick all the captains had nicknames, and my nickname was Purdy because. <laughs> I didn't like when people pushed me in my face. Oh, he would and hate me then. <laughs> so anytime someone pushed me in my face, it was like it was on like, all right, I'm about to double leg you through the ground, Last like double. you know. So he would like, I hope this dude hits pushes him in the face, you know. <laughs> so he would always say, you know, before I get out on the mat, you know, I, I you know, I'd be walking side to side, you know, you know, you getting ready, you know, everyone will have our ritual, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, he grabbed me by my arm. He goes, Purdy, win, lose or draw, I want that guy to look at you and say, who was that guy? <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so you know he would say that and as all the wrestling captains we would you know we'd all get jacked up who was that guy who was that guy you know win lose or draw he made he wanted to make sure that we left it all out there even if we lost that guy would like if he saw you on the bracket like damn yeah. i don't want they you remember know, you they remember you yeah. right you know what i mean so i started living life that way and i always said to myself when i engage with people i want them to be like who was that guy you know, and that got me through, wrestling got me through so much. It got me through when um, I remember I was, uh, my ex-wife at the time was pregnant with my daughter. This was seven years ago. And um, I got a call from my boss saying, hey, you're going to have to call and let your entire team go. And, you know, you, you ain't got no job either, right? And my daughter's going to be born in like six months. A shout out to my ex-wife. You know, we've had these, these pivotal points. I remember she looked at me pregnant. 
And she was like, I have all faith in the world in you. I was like, damn right. Who was that guy? You know? Yeah. And I mean, it worked through, it, it's, it's, wrestling has helped me work through so many things. Yeah. Just the mental toughness of it. You know, like I said, if you play basketball, you know, you can slack a little bit. You got a team. When we wrestle, bro, if you get hurt, you're out the tournament. Yeah. You can't you can't sit on the bitch and war and and w- come back next quarter. Right. Like I mean, you're either out there or you're not. Right. It's all <laughs> you. you. Know, when you're being, I remember this dude. No Alvin, timeouts. No. no t- yeah. You can't be like, hold up. Yeah. You know, it's 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 done. I'm I'm wrestling. This cat came out. This dude named Alvin Cobb, and uh, he was a twin, right? And he wrestled for Maplewood. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember, I'm getting. I'm he, he catches me, and. It wasn't a cradle. What was it? It wasn't a cradle. He had my all. It was like damn, like a neck crank, <laughs> and I'm like stuck. And I he ended up catching me, like in the second period, like in the very beginning. Mm. So I got a long period to go. That I'm stuck being choked, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my god, and I'm in so much freaking pain, and I'm just fighting it, and I can't, I literally can't breathe, and I'm sitting there, and there was, ah. but I wasn't supposed to beat this cat anyway. Okay, like people knew it was gonna be a good match, but they knew he was gonna win. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, why am I going to continue going through this pain if I'm not supposed to win? Mm. And I remember allowing my shoulder blade to relax. And it was that time for the first and only time in my life I gave up. And I was like, but no one's going to know. Like, no one knows. It's just me. But I knew. Yeah. And after that point, I remember I got off the, the, the wrestling mat. And my coach, you know, threw me my little sweats. And he, he patted me on the head. He's like, it's okay. And he's looked at me. And I was like, shit, he know. Mm. I was like, so there's two people who know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Me and him. Yeah. You know, and at that point, I was a monster. Like, I was like, never again. I'd rather die. You're going to take me out on that shield before I give up. Yeah. You know, but that, that taught me a lot about myself. I really, I love that moment. I love that moment. So when I take a look at just other things I've been through, even that moment got me, I compete in powerlifting now. So yeah. I'm at nationals. I'm out. In, Setting records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm out literally, um, it's June, right? So I go, um, I got to fly out to LA, you know, for the Fit Expo. And when I fly back, when I fly out there, my bowels get like kind of tied up and whatnot, right? And I wake up two pounds overweight, mm. and I'm thinking I'm going to be good. I got to weigh in, and I got Lily two hours to lose. It was three pounds in two hours. I'm like, okay, let me invoke my inner wrestling. Now this wasn't no Sean Woodson weight loss cut, you know, but but it was still yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that much, you know, but. I had to, you know, cut that weight, boom, right there. So I cut that weight, I make weight. So here I am. I'm squat. I'm getting my squat on. Boom. First squat, easy weight. They flag me. I guess they didn't see my hip crease. I'm like, what the hell? So I do it again, and I, um, they take the bar off the second time. I'm like, so I got my third one I got to get through. I'm like, okay, I just need to get a mark. I just get a number because I need a total for worlds. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, boom, I bury it. I get it. So my rest, like, my, my coach is like, hey, you know, don't worry about it. We got it. We'll make it up in the, in the, uh, in the deadlift. You know, because there's not, you don't bench a ton more. Yeah. But yeah. you can pull a ton more. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. We're going to go ahead and make it up in the deadlift. So I'm like, all right, cool. So first bench, boom. You know, in, de- in benching with uh, powerlifting, you, you hold the weight 
for a second until the, until yeah. they say it's not just pause on your own. They have to cue you to go. Mm. So if you have a little bit of movement, they're not going to say press. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're pumped coming down to say press, boom, then you press. So Complete control. Compl- oh, yeah, it's complete control. So the first one, I knock out, boom, no problem. Second one, I come down. He says press, boom, I pull up, bam, press, I knock it out. They flag me. He, they, I got two greens and a red, but the, the judge, the international judge, weighs it off. He said, well, you went before I, the call. We, we had the video. He said press. I press exactly when he said it. So now, boom, I'm behind on that. So now I got my third lift in, and this is where I'm coming to the wrestling story. I end up pressing, trying to press the weight, and I lost, I took a breath, and I lost, you know, pressure, and it just, it was starting to come down on me. I end up, like I'm still healing now, I end up having a micro tear in my trap and in my pec. Mm. So I'm in excruciating pain. I still got deadlift to go, and I can't even lift my arm. My coach's like, you know, you good? You want to call it a day? And I'm like, I'm listening. To, I was listening to DMX at the time, and I turned on, tried to get high. I'm like, let me turn on some Waka Flocka hard in the paint. So I'm like, I go hard. I'm good. I'm like, this ain't doing it. It's still not doing anything. And I'm like, so he's like, all right, we're going to change your grip. Let's work on your feet. Can you do it? I'm like, you know, forget it. I'm still going to do it. Man, I end up with a, with a micro tear in my pec and some gospel music. <laughs> I, that was my fuel. I turned it on, bro. I end up still knocking it out and breaking the state record. And that was solely because, to your point, I knew that my mind could take me there from what I did, what I've done in wrestling in my career, for real. And I attribute that definitely to my frat in wrestling. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? That's so powerful. Who is that guy? Dude, that's such a powerful takeaway. <laughs> it, it really yeah. is. Thank yeah. you so much for that. Yeah. So. Oh, man. Well, Dwayne, man, this has been fantastic. Yeah, for real. Um, for thank real. you so much. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, is there anything you want to leave the people with? I don't know if, if you're. I know you're on social. Did you do you want to plug your socials? Or I usually <laughs> I usually allow people like if there's anything at the end they want to plug or anything. Yeah. They totally can't. It's totally up to you if you do or not. But well, um, what I would say is um, just two things. One, um, I do have a cool video coming out um, that is kind of it's the story of what I just shared, but it's a motivational. Um, video okay. about resilience and overcoming and getting out of your way and that we're all built, engineered, and wired already what it takes to be great. Mm-hmm. We don't need anything else. Like, you already got it. Oh, yeah. You know, so pass that along to friends and family if that's nice. And then coming this fall, if people are interested in uh, the life diet, you know, I'll definitely be sharing that if people want to use that as a tool to, you know, help them with the passions, priorities, and people in their life. Cool, cool. Damn. And I'll put some links in the show notes and different yeah, things and whatnot. So, all right, everybody. Until next time. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. If you got value out of that podcast, again, go tell a friend. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, especially. That really helps. And if you're not, head over to YouTube and subscribe. You might like to watch the videos every now and then opposed to just listening so go check us out uh on you just look me up adam a-d-a-m meredith m-e-r-e-d-i-t-h you'll find me on youtube and uh subscribe to the channel there and you can you can check these out there as well as always this episode is brought to you by my company imposed will go check us out at imposedwill.com we have a full line of apparel some dope shirts we got a few other things on the way uh as well what what do we have now we have headbands and hats and beanies and t-shirts and baseball tees we're expanding the line and we're coming out with new designs so 
check us out also get on the mailing list stay up to date and in the know with everything that's going on join the community and pose your fucking will folks that is it have a great rest of your day and uh i love you bye